You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. In this episode, I have Jared Bloomgren on the podcast. We cover his research process from start to finish when it comes to hunting a new area. I hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to Tales from the Field, presented by Outdoor Edge. Stories, tips, tactics, and in-depth conversations coming to you from industry leaders. Let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outdoor Edge podcast. Uh, really looking forward to discussing with Jared today. Uh, thanks so much, Jared, for hopping on the show. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Zach. I know we've been trying to get link up for a while here and get this going and so it's good that it's actually coming to fruition <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're busy or i'm busy you know <laughs> no no never enough things to do <laughs> you know i saw a cup the other day that said i really need a day in between saturday and sunday and i thought yeah i i definitely could that'd be that'd be pretty awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd be completely fine if they took one weekday away and turned it into a weekend. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know that many people would complain. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, go ahead. 
you know, after all, it is 2020. And I mean, nobody would probably raise an eyebrow at it. Yeah, very, very true. With how everything else is going this year, you're right. Nobody would probably even do anything. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy year it's been, you know, man. It has, you know, it's just unreal. I never, there's things going on right now in our lifetime that I never thought or dreamed about, dreamt that I would ever see happening. And it's just, it's wild, you know? Yeah. Well, I can one, I 100% agree with that. It's, um, you know, some of the, some of the stuff that I was supposed to film or whatever, um, you know, they got, they got canceled because they would have had to quarantine for two weeks in Canada. And, uh, yeah. it's like, man, this is just, this is just a little different. <laughs> yeah, it is. Some of it's hard to swallow, but what yep. do you do? You know, There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, exactly. Like just wake up the next day and, and, uh, off you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I found you, you mind your own business and go about your day and let people be the prudes that they want to be and, and just go about your life, I guess. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't but agree before, more. Before we get on the topic of politics or anything like that, we, <laughs> let's, change, let's change the subject. <laughs> to something that's more enjoyable for all of us to talk about. Exactly. I don't think anybody wants to hear our political views either. No. Or maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe another podcast. Yeah, maybe maybe we could have a podcast where that's all we talk about is politics, and we oh, could just man. see where it goes. Our views might go up. Who knows? Yeah, they might. Imagine the the comments we get on Facebook too, or wherever. We probably get kicked off Facebook. I'm quite confident. <laughs> yeah, that that's a solid point. That is a solid point. <laughs> well, Jared, before we jump into uh, your kind of your research. Uh, process and everything like that. Why don't you give the audience just a little bit of background about yourself and maybe just kind of the the whole, this kind of your background in hunting and everything like that. And the reason I say that is is because if you know somebody comes on the show and they've only ever hunted one other state once in their whole life and they're giving the information, it's a lot different than somebody like yourself that is hunted. I don't even know how many states and had how many out-of-state tags and you know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, just kind of give a little bit about your background and your, uh, kind of your out-of-state hunting experiences and things like that. Sure. So, you know, I look back, I hate to think how long ago it's been now. It's been 32 years ago when I was 10 years old, when I got <laughs> my first real taste into hunting, you know, watching my yeah. dad hunt and, Riding in the center seat of the pickup, standing up, flying down a section line, going after a deer. Again, things we wouldn't do in 2020. But, you know, back then at a really young age, I really cut my teeth on on hunting and, and what it was all about. And you fast forward 32 years later and to say I've learned it all and to say I've experienced it all would be a very, very large overstatement. It's, it's, I don't think you, there's a lifetime you could have where you could experience everything out there. But with that being said, you know, I'm still an avid hunter, still love to be in the outdoors. And every year I'm learning something different, whether it's going on a, a new hunt in a different unit in a state I've never been to or uh, taking my kids out and, and teaching them the things I learned from my father. 
it, there's a lot of experience there that I've gained and there's still a lot of experience out there that I still hope to gain in the next 40 years. Right. So in, you know, in a nutshell, I was raised in the hunting, not industry, because I hate to think of it as an industry anymore, but I was just, I was, I raised with my family and that's what we did. We hunted, you know, it, it's just part of us. It's a part of who I am. And it's not something that just came about the last five years and I'm trying to make it in the industry or anything like that. It's, it's what makes me who I am. And, and, uh, I like to share my experiences with others and the knowledge that I have and, uh, just help others out where I can. Yeah. That, that, and you know, I, I, I think that, um, the outdoors as a whole, if it gone about the right way i think a lot of people are more than willing to share their their you know their advice or help or whatever else i think it's i think with social media and today's age though <clears throat> i think the the art of a true conversation and getting to know someone um has been lost and people just want to get there now rather than build a relationship and then ask for help um yeah because, I mean, really you know, think about it, you know, I don't know how many times you and I have talked on the phone and still to this day, you have never asked me, hey, where can you can you send me this pin drop in Wyoming? Where should I go? And I've never done that to you either. Now, would you would I if you asked me? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, there's like there. And now that we're friends and we've built that relationship, it's way less awkward. But if the first time I called up and said, hey, Jared, so I am uh, – I'm going to hunt North Dakota. I've never done it before. I was wondering if you could send me a couple pin drops. You'd have been like, F you, guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, always, I always get a chuckle too off uh, whether it's social media or talk forums that are out there where somebody will just blatantly jump on and say, hey, I drew this tag in Wyoming for elk deer whatever it is and can somebody tell me where i need to hunt just out of the blue i'm like well you ain't gonna get very far everybody <laughs> good luck <laughs> yeah hey bless their heart for trying i guess uh, I, i'm a firm believer in you gotta you gotta put in your homework to make a hunt successful if you got somebody that's gonna share everything with you and and feed you that food on the silver platter and you know exactly where to go hey more power to you but that's something that's never came my way and over the years you know there's just different ways i've done it to look at different areas to hunt and more often than not it's turned out successful and i like to think it's just because the research that goes into it yep yep absolutely so with that um that's that's kind of what I would like to focus on for this podcast um, is kind of your your process as to, OK, I'm going to apply here. OK, I drew the tag. Um, I'd like to hunt somewhere new. And then what? You know what I mean? Yeah. What yeah, is, absolutely. are you, you know, what, what is your first step? Are you looking to see maybe what elk numbers are or I, I guess let's go with elk. Okay. That, that way it's, I mean, it's kind of, kind of the same process, I guess, for mule deer or whatever, but I guess, you know, are, are you looking at herd numbers? Um, are you looking at Boone and Crockett statistics? Are you, you know what I mean? Like where, where do you kind of start? 
and that's all questions that I've even asked myself a lot over the years. But if there's elk there, I don't really worry so much about the numbers. Sure, if there's more elk, uh, you're obviously going to be into the elk more. But the first thing I do, you know, there's a lot of wealth of knowledge out there on the Internet, whether you want to believe it or not. Uh, there is a lot of, you know, talk forums that are out there that have good information where you can start. But don't be that guy that jumps on there and says, hey, I want to hunt this area. Can somebody tell me where to go? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so there, there's several years. I think back to when I first started to get into the elk hunting, and I haven't killed the number of bulls a lot of other guys have out there, or nor have the knowledge a lot of other guys do about elk. But elk is one good topic that I can use where I look back a long time ago and I thought, you know, I want to kill an elk. Nobody's ever really done it in my family. Nobody's really been an elk hunter, but that's what I want to learn. And I started scouring the Internet. And this was back when Internet was relatively new, back when you could believe most of the stuff you saw. <laughs> but <laughs> I love how you, you put that. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I jumped on there and I typed in a state and talk forums would pop up and I'd go through and I would just look through talk forums and just kind of take notes. And generally that would kind of shape you into a region within a state, if you will. And then from there, I would call uh, Game and Fish. I would get the wildlife biologist. I'd track down whoever the wildlife biologist is in the area. And, you know, I wouldn't ask him or her, is this a good spot to go? I would ask, is this a good area within the vicinity of this highway and that highway? Are there, what are the elk like in there? And I've never had a wildlife biologist steer me wrong. Never had one tell me, hey, you're asking the wrong guy, you know, beat it. Go find your information somewhere else. They're always been very willing to share what they know about the elk herds in that unit or area, if you will. And so that gives me a little bit more of a, a pointed spot or an area a district to look into from there. You know, it, it gets down. If I know anybody that lives in the area and I have any sort of a relationship with them, I reach out to them and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about the area? And more often than not, the guys are going to want to, share information with you if you have any sort of a relationship right you know and, one one thing to add there i've noticed too <clears throat> if i reach out and i say you know there's been times when i've been like hey you know i'm i'm looking at hunting this specific tag um i've never hunted it before um and especially if it's somebody I know has had a lot of success there. And then, you know, and then I'll say something like, along the lines of like, I'm not looking for any of your honey holes or anything like that. Um, do you have maybe an idea of a good starting point? And, yeah. and from there, I've noticed that that kind of takes the pressure off of me wanting to hunt where they hunt. Cause that's the last thing that I want. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe if we're sharing camp together and we're all hunting together, then it's completely different, right? But if I'm going to go hunt there and and they say, you know, I say something along those lines, um, they're they're like, I I've ever, I don't know that I've ever had somebody go, 
no, you know, or F you or whatever else. It's been like, hey, yeah, you might check out this area. And then I dive into that area. And if I then think it looks good, then I dive deeper. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, beyond all that, you can start looking into, I've went as far as to look at, of course, Google Earth is a huge thing, Onyx Maps, Base Map, whatever you use. There's a wealth of knowledge in that. You know, there's a time I don't, I'll never forget, I jumped on Google Earth and I was scouring this area I wanted to look into. And from the wildlife biologist, it sounded like it was a decent area to check out. And I kid you not, I'm, I'm on Google Earth and I'm zooming in on this ridge and here's a herd of elk on Google Earth. <laughs> here's your sign. So I was like, okay, research done. Start packing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I saved that picture for several years, and they have since updated that map, but I always go back and look on that ridge trying to see elk again. That is so, so crazy. It was, it, was, it was really cool to see. I was pretty excited. Yeah. And, it, and you know, I've, got, I've got, went into it far enough to where I look at the weather patterns over the last several years and the rainfall amounts, uh, talk to several people who are in that area uh, try to find out what the grass like is like is it a wet year is it a dry year is the grass there is it's not because there'll be some places that's great one year and the next year is just not just because of the grass right so it's but it, it's always kind of a when I left on that first elk hunt to drive nine and a half hours away and never stepping foot on that place I like to think that I knew the area fairly well for the research I did, but the whole drive there, you know, I'm just freaking out, you know, here's, I'm putting it all in to go to this one spot I've never been before. Right. (laughs) It's kind of unnerving. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. So there's a lot of different things that go into it. Sometimes you throw a dart at the map and you might find the best elk unit you've ever been in. And, you know, a lot of this will apply to, to those general areas. You know, I think a lot of what we're talking about refers to some of these general areas that you can hunt in various states. Yep. Um, you know, draw units, limited entry units, obviously, is going to hold elk. But you start looking into some of these general units and you have no idea where the heck you're going. I mean, that exactly happened to me this year and wanted to try a new place and I even had guys tell me, reputable sources tell me, don't waste your time in that area. And right. It, it almost kind of fueled a fire within me. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> when somebody says you can't, you know, yep. no, don't go there. You can't. You're not going to kill an elk there. And the one particular spot I found, it, it was a nasty unit. It was It was not conducive to my style of hunting, you know, I don't have horseback, um, anything like that. So it was, it was going to be a hard hunt, but so what I'm trying to say is if somebody says, don't go hunt that area, it's horrible. That's not necessarily always the case. I went into that unit and I, I got a chance to hunt a 390 bull that is just a phenomenal creature. Anything of that size is phenomenal. And yeah, you know, if I would have listened and say, don't go there, I would have never had the opportunity to spend as much time as I did with that bull. You know, I didn't kill him, 
But if I would have heeded all the advice I was given, you know, I wouldn't ended up on there any anyway. Yep, yep. There would have been so, no no it, start or finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm probably confusing you a little bit because in one sense I'm telling you to listen to other guys and listen to what they have to say, but now I'm contradicting it with saying don't always listen to what other people have to say. Right. Well, you have to put weight in it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's um, <clears throat> much like what I what I said when I wanted you to discuss your research process. You know, if, if somebody has shot one animal with a bow, uh, the likelihood of me calling them up and asking them for archery tips is a lot less likely than calling up somebody like yourself who has shot uh, maybe a hundred or more. <laughs> like, I don't know how many you shot a lot, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's the, it's the exact same thing, but you, you want to weigh the information given. So like, um, if I reach out about, um, you know, some spots that I've done research on and I call you and I say, Hey, have you ever hunted these spots? And you go, yeah, I have. They were pretty good. I'm going to put a lot of weight in that because I know you're a good hunter. I know that you're looking for mature animals. Um, you know, you're, you're not going out there and going to shoot the first deer you see. Uh, unless right. it happens to be a giant, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but, um, so I think like anything out there, you, you obviously have to put, um, you have to weigh what's being given. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, you said it spot on. It's information from varying individuals is going to be a little bit different than what you want to hear, or it might be what you want to hear, depending on their level of experience and, and what they've had done in the past. Yep. Yep. So once you have, you know, made a couple phone calls to whether it be the game biologist or maybe a friend in the area, um, and you, and you're starting to get spots narrowed down. Um, what, uh, is it, is it then time to dive deeper into Google earth? Is it then time to try and, and get boots on the ground? If you have time, uh, what's next? I spend most of my time at that point on Google Earth or on Onyx Maps. You know, Google Earth, of course, has much higher detail, which is nice. Um, that's when I really start looking at the ridge lines. Where's where's some good ridges that have dark timber? Because you know, as we all know, in September during when the rut's kicking up, those bulls they want to be up in the dark timber where it's cooler. And of course, this is all pertaining to mountain style hunting. You know, we're not talking. Uh, low country breaks or anything like that in several of the states but you know where are the ridges at what right, ridges have right. what what ridges have the dark timber okay so there is a bedding area and then i start dissecting it from there okay so if this is where they bed and keep in mind i don't know for a fact that the elk are going to be there or not it just looks like a good bedding area and then i look into okay so this ridge has a timber where's the water source because those elk have to get hit water every day otherwise they're not going to stay in an area right so start looking into the water find where the water source is and there's been some places where i just couldn't turn up a water source so i stay out of that area and i move to a different ridge line somewhere and elk will travel quite a ways to get to water but i like to keep that water oh uh, well within a mile 
from that ridge top. So I find the water, I find the ridge, but now you have another aspect that throws into it. Is there food? Is it, getting back to, is it a dry year? Is it a wet year? Uh, Is there grass there? Is there not grass there? And that takes a little bit more digging down into it to to call the, the state offices to find out rainfall averages or to talk to even, you know, some of the biologists will have that information too, because they're out there doing elk studies throughout the year. And if I can piece together the food, the water and habitat, um, I would a hundred percent of the time say there's going to be elk there. So uh, there may not be high numbers of elk in that area, but I think about anywhere you go, if you have those three, criteria under your belt there's gonna be elk there is there's no guarantee how many but i've never went to an area and not found elk right right well yeah because like at the end of the day obviously uh the sheer number of elk and things like that is is dictated by more than just um uh, it's dictated by so many other things, you know, it's not, yeah. I mean, it could literally be the best cover with the best feed with water drainage coming right by it. And there's still not be many elk because maybe that unit just doesn't hold many elk, you know? Yeah. So I, I understand completely what you're saying when it, when you say this is kind of the recipe to find the elk, uh, whether there's a lot or a little is just dependent on, on the unit and whatnot. So but you know what you're saying about the number of elk in an area there might not be a lot of elk but what comes with an area that has a lot of elk typically a lot of hunters a lot of hunters <laughs> yep so if i can find a small pocket where there's not a lot of elk uh, most times there's not a lot of hunters either which is just more beneficial to me right so yeah, yeah. i like finding yeah. those spots with not a lot of hunters <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's it's been hard to do lately. It seems uh, it you seems know, far and few between. This year, there was more people in the outdoors than there's ever been in any other year, just because everybody wanted to get out. Right. They the hell else go are they going to the... do? Yeah. <laughs> Can't go to the movie. No, no. Um... You know, yeah. There's a hell of a lot more people in the outdoors this year than there's ever been, just because of the pandemic and. It, yeah. It, 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 it's changed hunting in a lot of areas. It really did. Yep. I, yeah, no kidding. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's just been such a, like we already said it, but man, it's been such a crazy year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Understatement. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so if, you know, you you typically hunt several states a year. Um, but you also live, um, kind of Westish basically. Um, and I mean, not too far from me really. And, but it's still hard in my opinion to find the time to put boots on the ground before it's time to hunt. Um, especially where, you know, you have, you have a job, um, you got kids, same here, right? I got little kids and one, one, he's, he's eight now, but, um, I just, especially some of the units, uh, like Idaho is some of the units are like 12, 14 hours away. 
Right. And it's like, if I go there, I'm going when I can have a bow in my hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So how, how much weight, and, and I guess I'm not trying to at all say that spoots on the ground scouting is not beneficial. I think it is very beneficial if you're, very. if you're, if you have the time, you know, but absolutely because, you know, say, you know, maybe you didn't have the time. So what do you do in substitute? Do you just more Google earth? Do you talk to more people? Uh, maybe look at some forums. What, what do you kind of do to substitute if you're not able to get boots on the ground? Yeah, all of the things we talked about, uh, talk forums, uh, rela- relating information with people that I know in the area of who, who've hunted it before, it, it all comes back to the research that we already talked about. It, the wildlife biologists, uh, firsthand encounters from other people, Google Earth, it, it's all encapsulated into one thing. And that's always going to be something that happens throughout the entire portion of trying to plan a hunt um for myself like you said you know full-time job family military obligations there's not enough time out there you know i i really envy those guys that do nothing but hunt and get to hunt seven eight states a year i want that job but (laughs) it's it's not it's never going to be realistic for me that's not who i am right so you know as the person who's picking the hunt they're going to do they also have to be realistic on okay i live let's say i live in wisconsin mm-hmm. is is a drive all the way to idaho the best for me is a drive to new mexico best or do i need to be looking at a state that's closer so no matter where you live you got to look at that aspect what are the logistics that go into it right what's the drive time are you going to fly how are you going to get your gear there what are you going to do when you get there Uh, So I think more than probably just picking an area, first you need to have a realistic conversation with yourself and your family. What is, what's something that works, you know, get in your vehicle. If you can afford to get in your vehicle and drive 10, 15 hours to get to a hunt spot and you still have two weeks to hunt. Great. You're a lucky, lucky, lucky individual. But for me, I wish I could hunt more States farther away from home than I do but it's, yeah. it's not it's not realistic for the amount of time I have off so I'm stuck to states that are across the border or at the most two states away that's realistic drive time but you know I'm still only getting three to four days to hunt maybe a week if I'm lucky mm-hmm. when I when I used to be full-time in the military it was I'd take all all month off and spend 17 days in the mountains. I wish I could go back to that, but (laughs) again, it's, it's not realistic. So you just have to weigh that into your decisions on what's going to be best for not just you, but your family. Right. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with that more. It's just, uh, it's crazy how, um, you know, how things just start, coming into play you know especially once you start having kids and everything like that it's it's just a whole lot of uh, different things that um and 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 this is kind of a little bit of tangent but just something i want to say and and i think probably the hardest part about it is is you have you kind of get torn right because you have a love for 
the adventure. You have a love for a really challenging hunt. You have a love for accomplishing something on your own. When you also have a love for your kids being there, your family being a part of it, and and everything like that. So it, for certain hunts, at least I know I do, I kind of get torn. I'm like, well, this hunt, I just my, my kid just wouldn't be able to go. It's just not going to happen, whether the drive be too long because we don't have enough time on a weekend or whatever, um, or the temperatures are too crappy. Who knows what it is? Um, but then I have a number of them where it's like, oh, cool. The whole family's here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you, another good point. You know, I'd spend 17 days hunting mule deer in the high country of Wyoming. And those 17 days are probably some of the best days of my life. <laughs> that was, yeah. That was, you know, that was be, before I had kids. Right. And then the following year I did it again. And I spent 15 days up there, but I also had a nine month old at home and my head wasn't in the, in the hunt like it was the previous year, knowing I had a child at home. And so every, there's different aspects in your life that change people differently. But the days of, of that are long gone. Now with my kids, my kids being 10 and 11 years old, you know, I, I keep thinking, okay, by the time they're of the age, they can go on those mountain style hunts. Let's hope my body will still put up with it. Cause I want to do that again Yeah, and have them, have them right next to me. But it's a, it's an experience everybody should have. And hopefully my kids are wanting to do it and hopefully I can keep up with them. Yeah, no kidding. I sometimes look at my kid running up the hill, and I'm like, Dad, "Dad's coming, bud." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my my, you know, as you know, as a father and son, you're have, always having foot races with your kid, and yeah, you know, I used to have to make sure I didn't run too fast, you know, to make sure he feels like he's keeping up. Yep. Now I'm starting to find I really got to push myself to beat him. <laughs> Old man's getting slower and he's getting faster. He thinks it's funny. I, and I'm not finding the humor in it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, in the same way with me, like I take off running and be like, holy crap. Like I actually had to work to beat him this time. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yep. But, so, so, you know, get, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, so, um, like you said, you have to figure out what's going to be best for you and your time off and your situation. Um, so here you are, the day has come, it's time to go hunt. Um, do you have maybe plan A, B, C, D, E kind of figured out ahead of time. So you're going to try a first, if it doesn't work out, you go to B and, and then you kind of read the terrain and the elk as you're there, or do you go in there with one main plan and then kind of make adjustments to that plan? Like how, how do you go about when it's, you know, time to actually be there and, and go hunt? I like to have three plans an A, B, C, if you will, you know, I have my, the spot that I've really been eyeballing. But also keep in mind, if you're doing all the research and you're looking at one area and one area only, mm-hmm. when, you, when, you, when you get there, you have all your cards into that one area. Well, if that one area doesn't pan out, you're back to doing all the planning again to figure out where you're going. You're back to 
driving somewhere to get cell service to be able to look at um, Google Earth or Onyx Maps or anything like that. And you need to put the cart before the horse and you need to have at least, I would say, at least three areas that are close enough in that one spot that if the first one's not working out, you move to the next and you move to the next after that. Right. Look, look for the elk sign that you want. There's been days where I got to a spot and I walked all day covering elk country not to find any fresh sign. And the elk were there in August maybe when they're stripping velvet, but they weren't there anymore. There's no fresh crap on the ground. There was no wallows being used. And then, you know, then I look at, okay, what's my next plan? Where's the next area that looked good? Right. Um, if the if the elk were here in August and they're not now, okay, so what direction are they going to go? Look on the map, and I already have that place fairly well picked out where I think their their movement's going to be the next time. And pack up camp and, and move on. Hopefully you haven't set up camp yet, but hopefully you have a second area to go look at. If the second area doesn't pan out, you know, <laughs> you're at that third. and. <laughs> Hopefully that one works out, or you're you're back to the drawing board again. <laughs> oh. But I there's probably there's there's probably not a lot of areas that is considered elk habitat to where you can go and not actually find elk. Is it the quality you're looking for? Maybe not. But you know, if you're if you're going into those areas too, your expectation of killing a big bull shouldn't be high anyway. Not to say they're not there, because it's been proven time and time again. There's big bulls killed in areas that are less than idea for high elk numbers. Um, you know, it's just all all by chance. But don't throw the towel in and give up on an area before you've done your research or checked it out to make sure it's it's not holding something in in one of those basins. You, know, you can be in one basin and not see a single elk, and you can cross over the ridge line into another basin and be covered up with them. It definitely takes wearing the boot soles off right. or uh, if you're lucky enough to have those horses or even luckier to have a drop be dropped in by a helicopter uh give me your number because i want to become your friend oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that yeah agreed when, when can when can we uh buy you drinks because we we'd <laughs> yeah. like to be helicoptered in too <laughs> yeah yep. zach and i want to meet up with you <laughs> yeah yeah uh we we will pack meat for helicopter rides <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh, oh zach, cool. zach zach might even change your socks for you <laughs> <laughs> it depends how many miles they save us. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Well, cool. So it sounds, you know, we, we, I think we covered pretty much all of it. You know, we, we talked about starting with, hey, you drew the tag to starting to do kind of a wide overview of where you drew the tag or where you'd like to hunt. And then the next step would be, potentially calling maybe somebody you know that lives close to the area or game biologists and not directly asking, hey, do you know where to hunt? But, hey, um, here's some things I was looking at. 
have you, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on these areas? Or do you have any ideas that would be a good starting point or something along those lines? And then from there, really diving in on Google Maps, uh, Onyx, uh, Go Hunt Maps is actually a new one that started out there. Uh, it's just got a, a PC or, or whatever version right at the moment. Um, and it's sure. awesome. Um, the, the colors and the topography and everything on it are really great. Uh, and it's cool cause it still shows the boundaries, which is awesome. Um, and then from there, if you're fortunate enough, you know, if you have the time or whatever boots on the ground, that, that can make a huge difference. Um, maybe go two days before season starts and use those two days to peek into some of the stuff you wanted that, that was plan A. And if it looks like trash, then you're already on the plan B, <laughs> but, but you're not wasting valuable hunting time. Um, and from there it's find animal, kill animal, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you, if you, if you have the ability to do boots on the ground before you hunt the areas, nothing's going to beat that. Right. Obviously. So plan a family, plan a family vacation out there in the summer and just tell your wife you're going somewhere beautiful and, and just show up and start hiking. And when she's looking at you after mile three, that she's going to kill you. Just, I don't know, find the high road and figure out how to fix it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Better yet. You say, Hey, we're going to camp somewhere beautiful. And then you're in the desert in Nevada and they're like, what the hell are we doing here? (laughs) 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 Well, to be honest, we're looking for water. Um, we need that to camp, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool, man. Well, at some point it would be great to have you back on and we could dive into more of a uh, tips and tactics standpoint on, hey, I've located maybe a deer or I've located an elk or the elk aren't making any noise. Now what do I do? Um, yeah. You know, we could talk about some tips and tactics of that because I think, I think this is kind of a great lay the groundwork type podcast where it's, hey, if you want to hunt this area, here's the best way to get you the animal that, that excites you. And from there, it's it's needing the, the, the experience and the skills and, and the know-how to uh, – make the area the arrow hit its mark so uh that would be a lot of fun for sure absolutely count count me in well perfect well thanks jared i appreciate you taking the time out today and hopping on the outdoor edge podcast thanks zach have a good day thank you for listening in be sure to like comment subscribe and share we hope to have you tuning in for the next episode